Hello and welcome back to the Hyperbaric Goat podcast, where we're counting down our top 10 Only Fools and Horses episodes. This week, we're looking at our number one episode, and you're with Bread Roll, and with me as always is JT. Hello, champagne and stuff, streamers and confetti for number one. That's it, yeah, we couldn't afford sound effects, so that's, you know, JT. JT <laughs> just ima- just it- imagine them. <laughs> I- I'm not going to do some, like, champagne cork effects and stuff. Can I just say to everyone, before we start this one, as this will be going out the week of Christmas, Merry Christmas, have a great week. We're recording it a few days earlier than that, but it will be going out Christmas week. So have a good one, stay safe, but still enjoy yourself. It's Christmas after all. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Have a good one, everyone. Have a few drinks. And uh, by all means, leave us a uh, a like if you listen to this podcast. And um, if you do get the Only Fools and Horses box set for Christmas, let us know what your favourite episode is. Definitely. And probably tune into Gold if you've got Sky or Virgin or whatever, because I imagine there'll be loads of Fools and Horses Christmas specials on Christmas Day and all over the festive period. And it's better than watching The Queen and all that shit, isn't it? Yeah, and speaking of which, um, I always forget I've got this. Just just going a little bit off uh, the re- uh, the side at the moment, but um, as a BT customer, I've got Now TV, and I was flicking through there the other day, and actually, the whole series one to seven is on Now TV. They didn't seem to have the specials, but Netflix have them. But if you yeah, just want to watch, it? yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah, I don't know if it's a licensing, but if you just want to watch Must seasons be. one to seven, they are the gold version, so they are a little bit edited, but they're on there just for your ease of streaming. Brilliant. And again, before we start tonight, um, Patrick Murray, it's his birthday today. Um, We're recording this on the 17th, spoiler alert, but Patrick Murray is 64 today. So happy birthday, Mickey Pierce. Hey, Mickey Pierce. (laughs) The the mate everyone needs, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, he's getting on a bit now. He might have chilled out, but you never know. (laughs) So we have counted down to our number one episode. And this week, the episode that we have deemed to be our favourite episode overall. Remember last week, we gave you a couple of little hints. We like episodes that have um, everyone in them, just because it makes for a bit more fun, and ones that kind of harken back to the kind of the history of the series and the characters. So if you didn't read the title of the episode before you started listening, here it comes. <laughs> Our number one episode is The Class of 62, which whoop, is... Whoop, whoop. Whoop, indeed. <laughs> and this one, I'm actually going to get the series right this time, is from season... <laughs> it's from season seven... And it's episode four of season seven that aired on the 20th of January, 1991. I was six years old. Wow. Spot on there, Bread Roll. You got both numbers right. Well done. Gold star for Bread Roll. Oh, we're here, yeah. Um, <laughs> getting, getting, <laughs> getting too old for this shit. I can't handle numbers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this one attracted 16.2 million viewers back then. So we seem to be hitting that 16 million brick wall, don't we? We had that last week with the episode we looked at. Um, so again, not the most viewed episode, but still 16 million pretty decent yeah absolutely um it's actually because i usually pop on the imdbs you know just to sort of have a sort of quick look through and it's really highly scored on there it's like 8.9 out of 10 and that's one of the highest episodes i've seen rated on imdb so i'm not sure before we get into like the the usual sort of like rundown of the episode i'm not sure if this is an episode that a lot of people just from the name alone will actually remember but um the the, the reason we think it's obviously supposed to be the uh or we've deemed it to be the number one episode get the word straight in a minute um it's just because when we talk about the history of only fools there's like there's so many stories there's so many characters that kind of intertwine and even though the early episodes don't always do a lot of back referencing that didn't really come until about season four and five this one really goes right back to the start i think and it kind of rounds up a certain story really nice what do you think 
yeah, I totally agree. And as you said before, everyone's in this, apart from the aforementioned Mickey Pierce um, and Cassandra as well. As we discussed last week, as we were just sort of preempting this, doesn't they don't really need to be in it. But we'll we'll go through that as we go through the whole episode. But yeah, I, I agree. It wraps up some stuff. It harks back to earlier episodes as well and sort of ties a few knots up there. Yeah, very good. Yeah, so just to give um, a bit of context, because this is, um, as we say, season seven. Um, so there was a bit of a gap between season six and season seven, and a lot kind of happened. There's a few specials in between. So at the end of season six, Rodney marries Cassandra, he moves out, and as we're back now in season seven, a lot's changed. So Dell is now with his significant other, Raquel, who is heavily pregnant at this stage. Rodney's been a plonker and he's broken up with Cassandra, so he's now living back at the flat. Um, so again. yeah, back at the flat again. I wonder, <laughs> does that seem like a very quick turnaround? I don't know how you feel about it, but it's like you know they did that whole send off and it was really well done at the end of season six, and it's like almost like they yeah. figured out, hang on, the dynamic of Dell and Rodney might not be the same if they're not living together. So we just suddenly need to get them back to a position where they're always together again. Um, yeah, it's that's a been... good shout actually. Yeah, that they, that might have well been something. I mean. You had the two specials in between. There might have been more, but obviously Jolly Boy's out and then Rodney Come Home were definitely in between these two seasons, weren't they? Yeah. Um, and Rodney Come Home is when they split up again. Uh, Jolly Boy's out and they're not exactly having the best of times. But yeah, you might be right. I never thought of that. Maybe, do you reckon John Sullivan even thought of that when he wrote Rodney's Marriage In, that it was going to break up? I mean, I don't know how far ahead he was writing. Well, that was it, because you always know that there's the show at this point in time, as we said, you know, was picking up traction. It was it was making money. It was very popular. Um, but what we said when we did, um, oh, I can't remember what the episode was now, but the one where Rodney gets married, it kind of in itself wrapped everything up. So it's almost like he did too good of a job with that episode and then I don't know if they already had planned for season seven or if the BBC came along or like you know look want to throw loads of cash at you we don't want to miss out on this we want you to do another season so suddenly he was like oh bollocks I've only planned for a few specials now I need to kind of (laughs) lead something back yeah but to be fair he did a good job of it I know this is the only episode I think we've got season seven in the top ten but it's a solid season isn't it they're all really good looking at the DVD earlier and looking at the episodes in this one I was like wow they're all decent yeah, because this has got um, another episode I quite like. It's Sickness and Wealth. I think that's in this season, isn't it? Or was that? Um... Uh, that that's in six, I believe. It's one of the ones we lo- left out from six, but that could have been in the top ten. You've got Sky's the Limit, um, Chance of a Lunchtime, <laughs> that's a good one. Stage Fright, Class of 62, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Uncle, and Three wi- Men, the Women, and the Baby, obviously, when Damien's born. So a lot sort of happens at the end of this season, but we're not going to go into that. We're digressing. We're talking about the third episode. So, the fourth, fourth episode. Yeah. I got it. I got it wrong this week. That's right. That's Come it. on, one of us has got to get it wrong. That's it. You know, there's <laughs> got to be at least one cock up a week. Otherwise, it's not hyperbaric, is it? So. <laughs> one. <laughs> I'll be happy with one, mate. <laughs> so we waffled on. Let's have a look at the actual episode itself. So it opens up, and Albert's in the armchair snoring away with his mouth open, catching flies. <laughs> and <laughs> the guy who only has one outfit for the entire, like I don't know, four or five seasons that he's actually in, he always has the exact same outfit on all the time. Yeah, do you reckon he's like Homer Simpson, where he's got loads of them hung up? <laughs> well, like Seth Brundle from The Fly, he's got that wardrobe just full of like 20 of the same suits, <laughs> hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he's asleep, and then he hears a door slam, which signifies that Dell and the crew are coming home, so he suddenly jumps up on his feet and starts starts hoovering, and Dell comes in, and he's like, all right, Unc, and he suddenly starts acting like he's knackered, doesn't he? It's like, well, Yeah, I haven't stopped all day, or since you went out, or something. Yeah, and he's like, pretending to be like panting and everything, it's like, fucking you know, there's old 
Albert already up to, you know, no good right at the start of the episode. Um, to be fair, he's getting on a bit. He shouldn't be doing the cleaning. But then Raquel's pregnant and Dale and Rodney are out wheeling and dealing. So there's no one else to do it, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um, so they all come in. Dale was wearing a really fancy suit. Rodney's looking like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Raquel comes <laughs> in. I'll tell you what, um, she's obviously quite heavily pregnant, as obviously in the storyline in this. But I think they actually did a really good job of making her look legitimately pregnant. I don't know if she was when she was filming this, but normally in shows, you get these women. I'm not saying yeah. Raquel's like, she's not like um, a large woman as such, but she's very like regular looking woman, a bit like sort of like Del Boy and stuff. But obviously, normally they have people and they pretend to be pregnant in the show, so they give them a bum, but they don't take into account that the rest of their body kind of fills out a bit more, doesn't yeah. it? Like the weight of being pregnant, but she looks genuinely naturally pregnant in this. Yeah, it's a good shout. I wonder if she actually was. Might have to uh, research that as we go on. Um, but yeah, you are. I didn't didn't pick up on that. Normally, back then in the uh, sort of early nineties, they just shoved the pillow up their dress, didn't they? Yeah, it looked terrible, and especially like when you get these shows and you've got like these, you know, like really kind of like model type women, all these like scrawny ones, and they get pregnant yet they're still pencil thin. I mean, I know everyone's genetics yeah. are different, but I just think, you know, as far as the TV show goes, they actually did a really good job, and she actually plays the part pretty well as being pregnant. Yeah, she does. She's all throughout this season. She's like obviously tired and a bit narky, as you are when you're pregnant. Not that I've ever been pregnant, but I have <laughs> been with a woman who has been. I know what they're like. <laughs> um, so basically, Raquel has been to an audition. She's a kind of performer as a bit of a back history. Um, and she's coming in and saying like she was embarrassed that Dale got her up singing songs. Um, what I can't remember. Going to the chapel, the... we're going to get married, didn't it? And then he, he suggested she sings one of those Madonna numbers, what, like a virgin? Yeah, she's there, like, about the size of like a small car, but belly and all that stuff um it's random isn't it sorry just to cut in there that this is the the tenth one we've done the first time we've talked about raquel it is yeah because like you say she she appears just before season six in a special dates isn't it um yeah great great special that one yeah it's a really good one and then you have the whole of season six and then it's almost like again like john sullivan might have thought well we need to kind of do something with dell now and give him a kind of a, a happy ending so then when they did the jolly boys out and he bumps into her again yeah, yeah, she was written into it really well, though. We'll, we'll, we are going to talk about the specials at a later date, by the way. We haven't forgot those, so we won't go into too much about that right now. Um, so then they start arguing about who's going to make the tea. Um, he's like... Dale offers, doesn't he, straight away, and then passes it straight to uh, Albert. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's like, Raquel's like, oh, I'm knackered from carrying that shopping and walking around. You know, obviously, obviously he's tired and being pregnant. And Dale goes over to the seat and taps it, and he's like, oh, come on, come and sit on this chair come and sit here where it's nice and warm. And then he kind of gives Albert a shady look, doesn't he? Albert does that stupid like yeah. head wiggle thing that he does. It's like a <laughs> nodding dog or something. Yeah, that was like, Albert, make a cup of tea. And then, um, no, he asked, he asked Albert first, doesn't he, I think? Yeah, and Albert's like, oh, Albert I'm busy about... or I'm knackered or something. Yeah, what about Rodney? Make... Rodney make a cup of tea. And then Rodney says he's unemployed, to which Albert says it's not a government thing, he can still make a pot of tea. You know, so it ends up Raquel makes the tea while they're all bickering about it. Yeah, because Rodney turns around and goes, what about Brian Epstein here? And sort of nods at Dale. And Dale's like, well, your uncle's knackered, Raquel's pregnant, and I've got to catch up with correspondence to which he picks up his letters and starts going through. Um, and Rodney looks at the table and he goes, oh, yeah, what, you got one letter? Oh, and that's for Raquel. So he gives it to Raquel and she takes the letter and goes out into the kitchen to make a cup of tea. Um, and then... Rodney's just sort of taking a piss out of Dell, isn't he, and saying, you know, here he goes. 
he's off on one of his like yuppie things again and he's had the latest brainwave yeah. buying a bunch of uh, fax machines so he's still a yuppie at this point yeah that hasn't worn off yet no he's still kind <laughs> of in full yuppie phase so he's talking about That's the latest brainwave being fax machines and, un- and Uncle Albert's like oh well, they're really good things to have Rodney's like oh for normal people but he doesn't know anyone else who's got a fax machine yeah in two months you've had no faxes and then what happened yeah you know, facts comes through from none other than Mike at the Nags Ed. Dale gets really excited as well. He's like, this could have come from anywhere. Rome, <laughs> New York, Tokyo. Oh, it's from Mike at the Nags Ed. Yeah, then he's like, well, he's, alpha mo- <laughs> he's an alpha moaner, isn't he? Look at this um, letter. Machine no working prop. What's he expect for 45 yeah. quid? <laughs> he bigs up Mike as well, doesn't he? He had the sense to buy one of my fax machines. That's <laughs> it. Um, so Dale reads his facts from the moaning Mike. And he's been invited to a school reunion down at the Nags Head, conveniently that very night. Um, it is, isn't it? Yeah, there's not much warning for that one. Yeah, and it's for the class of 4C who attended the Martin Luther King, um, uh, was it, that's no, a primary school, or elementary school, I can't remember. No, Martin, Martin Luther King Secondary School, secondary which used school. to be old Dox, Dockside Modern, it used to be called, which the Dockside Moderns mentioned, I think it's in a special when they're talking about their old school, so that's obviously the old name, um, but... As the estate's all named after certain people, obviously you've got Nelson Mandela House, Martin Luther King. So obviously they're named after political and black leaders and stuff, the whole area. Yeah. Um, so he's like now being invited down there. So he runs out into the kitchen to tell Raquel, who stood there kind of... Re- he also invites Rodney. Sorry to cut across again. Um, Rodney's still in his fucking sulk at this point. He's like, why don't you come along as well? And I've always thought, why would you invite Rodney? He wasn't at the school. I know, obviously, he knows everyone who's going to be there, but it just seemed a bit weird that he gets invited along. Well, that's it, because at this point, we don't know... Obviously, it turns out, quick little spoiler, is like the only people that attend are people like Boise and Trigg, like the usual suspects, basically. So, for all Dale knows yeah. at this point, it could have been everyone from his school, everyone from his year, you know, so Rodney turns up, you know, it would have just looked really yeah. out of place, what he's going to take his brother as his date or something like that. <laughs> yeah, just always thought well, that's a bit strange. He invites him. Obviously, they're, they're sort of gruesome twosome they do most things together but that just seems somewhere where Rodney wouldn't normally have gone yeah yeah no I, I totally agree and it's probably Dell's kind of logic to try and take Rodney just to cheer him up but like you say it's like if I got like invited to my school reunion which I know I probably never would I don't even know my school does them um but the first thing I wouldn't do I wouldn't ring up my brother and be like oh do you want to come with me you know <laughs> yeah, <a> bit strange, <laughs> but anyway he runs into the kitchen to tell Raquel and she's kind of looking a bit kind of serious she's just reading a letter um and basically it turns out that Raquel and it's been hinted to like ever since she kind of came back into the series that she used to um, be married to a policeman well she still is married to a policeman but she hasn't seen him for years so she's trying to get a divorce so her because she's pregnant now and obviously wants to marry Dell basically um, it's Dell who who wanted her to go through the divorce, isn't it? In a previous episode, it was him who sort of egged her on to do it. Yeah, because he was she was quite happy, just being like, oh, I'm not going to see him again. He's a really nasty piece of work, you know. She's happy to have him yeah. out of her life. Basically, he's a bit of a bully boy, from what she was saying. Uh, yeah. um, so, um, you know, Dell goes out and she's like, oh, the lawyers or the um, whoever it is have kind of con- have managed to locate my husband. And they've informed him that I'm proceeding for divorce and he's considering his options, basically. Um, to which Dell is like, you know, oh, that's that's all good and everything. And she's like, oh, I don't know. I mean, again, like reinforces the fact that she's like, I'm really nervous about this because I really don't like him. I can't stand him. And then Dell's like, well, I'll never let him hurt you. Um, if he ever wanted to get to you, he'd have to go through me. And being like, you know, nice, supportive Dell boy. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, she, he says he doesn't even know where you live. And even if he does, he'd have to go through me first, you know, being a protective partner that he is. Absolutely. Um, and then, <laughs> I mean, I think I understand what he's trying to say here, but he comes out of this line and he, like, he gives like Raquel a hug and reassures her and they're both sort of smiling. And he's like, you know, a little face ache in there, pointing at her belly. You know, he wasn't planned, but he's here now. And, you know, you're the best thing. Um, I love you. And he's like, you're the best thing that happened to me since my mum died. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I picked up on that again earlier. Also, he, he keeps referring to the unborn baby as he. And Raquel will come back with, or she, because they don't know what sex is. And so I don't think they ever find out before the baby's born. Spoiler alert, it is a boy. Yeah. I'm sure you know that. Amy and Derek Trotter. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> um, and then he's like, you know, I'll do anything for you. And then she's like, oh, anything. And he's like, yep. And she's like, well, promise me you won't get drunk with your friends tonight. And he just kind of giggles and walks out the door. And then his head comes back around the corner. He's like, on your bike. <laughs> and sort of runs off. Yeah, right. There's there's quite a long pause, but you know he's going to say no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so then we cut to the nag's head and it's the function hall. And I don't know why, it just suddenly just clicked in my head right before we, I sort of like, we started talking and recording this function hall this must be the same set that they recorded rodney's reception in don't you think yeah i was just thinking that because we've seen function halls in the nags head before rodney's wedding the little problems episode where there's a snooker room with no snooker table um so yeah it's, it's got to be one of those was that nags head must have some fucking rooms though tucked away because we've seen the one in video nasty as well which is downstairs by the looks of yeah, it yes it's, it's like got <laughs> it's got more, it's got more rooms than a Cluedo mansion, hasn't it? It's like... <laughs> yeah, right, yes, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big old place. The next, <laughs> I actually quite like this function room. I think I know it's like very like nice. It's still a little bit grotty, like pubs were back then. But the way it's got the little mini bar in the corner and then the proper fireplace at the back, I think it actually looks quite nice. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I agree. It's like a traditional pub, and you don't see many traditional pubs these days. They're all fucking theme pubs and stuff, aren't they? Or Weatherspoons. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so we cut in, and Boise's there, Denzel's there, Rodney, and um, Del Boy. Boise's literally in a bad mood already, which is no shock to anyone. <laughs> and he's like, you know, where is this guy? You know, he said he'd be here at like like seven o'clock, and look at it now, quarter to eight, and no sign of him, or <laughs> something along those lines. Yeah. And then Mike, I think it's exactly those lines. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Mike comes in. And they're all like, you know, come on, Mike, tell us who this guy is. And Mike's like, you know, well, I don't know. He just came in this morning, said he'd like to hold a little get together, rented out the room. And then they're like, well, didn't he, um, you know, didn't you get his name on your receipts? And Mike's like, oh, well, no, um, oh, I didn't get that. And Denzel's like, another word, he paid cash. Or Boise says it, someone does it. Yeah, I can't remember if it's Denzel or Boise. Um, but yeah, you're right, they do say that. And obviously, Mike's done a bit of a dodgy deal, shock horror again. Yeah, yeah. But something I picked, something I read earlier, slight, it's not on a, off on a tangent. We've mentioned Denzel a couple of times. So I've been a massive Only Fools and Horses fan all my life. I, saw, I can remember watching it since I was a kid. I've never known Denzel's surname. Do you know Denzel's surname? I don't. I know I found out Trigger's real name the other day, as you know, because I texted to you, but I don't know Denzel's yeah. last name. I found it out today. It's Denzel Tulsa, T-U-L-S-E-R. I was on Twitter, actually, looking at some hyperbaric goat stuff, and it was recommending me people to follow. And there's there's a Lennox Gilby par- parody character. So I was like, I've got to follow him. And then it recommended Denzel Tulsa. So that's his real name. Oh, it's funny, because I'm actually... I never, I never knew that in all this time of Only Fools and Authors. No, I feel bad. No, not me neither. Um, and I'm actually looking right now on IMDb, and he's just listed as Denzel. Doesn't even have his last name. It, He's never been 
never in the, the program. I mean, Mickey Pierce is always Mickey Pierce, but Denzel, they've never mentioned his surname as far as I know. Well, I don't even know if that's 100% correct, but that's the parody character of him on Twitter. So I'm assuming they've researched Most it. Done, yeah, because obviously Paul Barber plays the man. Um, no, yeah. that's that's a great shout. No, I was to say, he's always ever... I don't even think, because all they've ever called him, like again, like we say with Trigger, his real name's never, ever been used in Only Fools and Horses on screen. And I've never, like you say, no. heard Denzel's full name. No. Yeah, just a random fact I, I picked up on earlier. I know he's called Barrington Mitchell in the full Monty, but that's beside the point. So. <laughs> horse. Yeah, horse. <laughs> um, so Mike's done a, you know, kind of over-the-counter deal. Uh, it's when they're um, asking about the guy. It's like, well, what did he look like? It's like, was he tall? Yeah, he was quite tall. Um, he didn't have a big scar run down his face, did he? And his left ear was missing. No, not that I noticed. Oh, good. It's not old headmaster then. <laughs> not that I noticed, yeah, because you wouldn't notice that. Because yeah. <laughs> what's his name? Like their old headmaster's called like Bendover Benson or something like that. Bendover Benson, yeah, he is. Yeah, I couldn't remember his name. I'm glad you come up with that because I was going to struggle. Yeah, which is obviously a reference to the fact that people used to be caned back in the day. None of that, you know, CD Catholic stuff that goes on anywhere. But um... oh, we had a slipper at my school. Like fucking headmaster had a slipper, and if you, if you were like naughty to coin a phrase, you'd um you'd have to bend over and he'd whack you on the ass with this fucking great slipper. Oh, I think I just missed the days of um physical. I used to get clouted around the head a fair bit from some teachers who got a bit, but we didn't have any like canes or rulers. Or oh, they didn't give a shit, did they? Like I got hit, like knuckled by a ruler. I'd, I'd done something in maths, and the teachers come up to me and just whack me across the knuckles with this wooden ruler. Like, they didn't give a shit back then. Yeah, no, I used to. They used to like slap you around the back. Yeah, like it's like. That scene in Harry Potter when Snape just like twats bloody Ron Weasley around the back of the head with a fucking spellbook or something. It's like that's what teachers do in my school, but they never did like the cane or the ruler or anything. I think I was at that age where that kind of thing was starting to be frowned upon. Luckily, but these days, obviously, well, even... teachers can't even raise their voice without getting sent to fucking prison. I was going to say you can't look at a kid or like accuse him of anything. You're like you're in the wrong straight away. Kids run right at school these yeah. days. Um, yeah, it's definitely not a job I'd be fit for bit for because i'd just be like i'd be no. wanting to commit murder i'd be like well, you just shut up but mate i i have one child every other weekend and that's enough let alone 30 every day <laughs> um so it turns out it's not going to be their headmaster bend over benson and then um <laughs> the door starts to open slowly so they all kind of freeze and they're staring thinking you know this is going to be like the mystery man man of the hour a trick strolls There's in three slow knocks at first and then it opens he sort of knocks really slow and then it's like I say it opens slowly. Yeah, Trig comes in with his uh, he, like sort of blue bottle suit on, and he's like, um, <laughs> "Best suit." He's like, um, "Someone's like Del Boy turns around and Trig goes, was it you, Trig? Did you organise this?'" And boys, he's like, "Trig couldn't organise a prayer in a mosque." <laughs> yeah, I think a piss up in a brewery would have been more um, apt at that point. But yeah, <laughs> same same idea. Yeah. <laughs> then um, Trig is like, "Oh, I've been um, I didn't know which room it was. I've been standing in your um." your hall, like your other hall for like the last yeah, he, hour. He's like, I got lost on the way here. And I think Rodney comes up, or someone comes up, you've been coming to this pub since you were 16. And he's like, no, I found the pub, all right, but I couldn't find this room. And that's when he says he'd been standing in the dance hall for the last hour. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, but no one's in there. I know. The lights are off. I know. That's what I thought. I thought we were going to jump out <laughs> and surprise someone. He goes, but well, why would you stand in there if no one else was there? I didn't know no one was there because the lights are off. Yeah, it's a typical trick, isn't it? <laughs> so, the thing is, though, you believe he would be stood there for an hour as well. It's totally believable. Yeah, he's like, you've been standing in the dark for a bloody hour. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then they're all kind of sat there. And then Rodney 
kind of pipes up and he's like, you know, oh, a bit mysterious, all this, isn't it? Think about it. Someone, um, you know, on a cold, dark night on Peckham, someone has arranged for you four or five people to be in this room at the same time and no one knows who it is and no one knows why. And, and it's like, think hard, gentlemen. Who would want to do that? And they all kind of stop and it, the camera just goes at each one of their faces and they're all sat there deep in thought. <laughs> then it comes the trigger and he's like, Jeremy Beadle. <laughs> it's just great timing, isn't it? Like you say, the way it pans to each blank face and then he just comes out with that. And Boyce is like, Jeremy bloody Beadle. Yeah. I think even before that. And before... So I think you're going to say, yeah, go say for it, yeah. Uh, what what um, Rodney says, liking it to an Agatha Christie movie. <laughs> The whole mystery. <laughs> Trigg's like, I used to fancy her. And then as we talked about before, Rodney carries on talking for another good 10, 15 seconds and then stops dead. He used to fancy her. Yeah, I had a picture of her on my wall. I used to like her in that film Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> Which Boise comes back with, that's Judy Christie, you buck. <laughs> well, I used to like her. <laughs> and then um, Denzel's sort of like getting at cold feet and he's like, well, look, um, I only came to your school. Like, I lived. He's, Denzel's from Liverpool originally. Um, and he's like, I only came to your school like for the last sort of year. I don't feel like one of the old boys, so I think I should go. And then, then Boise's like, did you get an invitation while you're staying? So they all kind of... Then they start... Yeah, Denzel, I was going to say, Denzel said he came to the school when he was 13, so he would have been there the last two or three years, wouldn't he? Which kind of would tie in why he's still got a bit of a Scouse accent, although it is now 30-odd years later. That's true, yeah. Um, <laughs> so they all kind of start bickering as they normally do, and they're like... Um, Denzel like gets up and I think he goes to get his coat or something. So they all kind of go to the back. Rodney tries to leave oh, as well, it, yeah. doesn't he? Rodney, Rodney's like, I'm going to go and see Albert, see if he's okay. So they're all sort of making their excuses now. Yeah, so they all kind of rush to the back of the hall and they're kind of bickering. And then it cuts to the door and like, a hand comes round and switches the light off. So they're like, hey, what's going on here? Then the door opens up and you just see this kind of silhouette of this kind of big, stocky type bloke. And... um. Denzel's like, oh, it is our old headmaster. It's Bend Over Benson. And um, <laughs> Dale's like, well, if it is, he's grown an ear back. And then the light comes on. And who should it be? None other than Slater. Roy Slater. Yeah, and the way they did it, it's only, I think it's only Denzel, I know, I think it's Boise, Trigg and Dell all go Slater. But Rodney and Denzel don't. They just sort of look blank. Yeah. Obviously, they know who he is. But I think only the three of them, all in unison, to be fair. And we missed that trick. Sorry about that. I missed the cue. No, no, it wasn't the cue. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't try and set that up. I should have I should have clocked though. I was being a bit slow there. <laughs> One day we'll organise and actually get some decent <laughs> kind of back and forth going. Um... It wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same, <laughs> would it? <laughs> um, so, Roy Slater. So, this, technically, this Roy only appears in three episodes. This is kind of like the trilogy that kind of rounds up his character, pretty much. He first... He has quite a big story arc in the three episodes, though, doesn't he? Because he is, because he's pretty much Del Boy's nemesis, isn't he? He's like the tr the one main yeah. villain that Del Boy has that he just absolutely can't stand. And Slater has it completely yeah. in. He doesn't like any of them, basically. He's a crooked cop. But he absolutely hates Del Boy among the most because they used to bully him at school and piss about and stuff. Um, but he first appeared in May the Force Be With You, I think it's called. With the microwave. Yeah, with the microwave. That was back in like season two or something, I think. That granddad in it. Yeah, Del gets one up on him in, in that episode quite quite well, doesn't he? We won't go into it. But Del, Del's one nil up at this point in the sort of Slater trilogy. That's it. Um, and then 
in a special called the Hullenback, he's in that one as well, and he kind of he kind of walks away from the situation with Del Boy at what um, kind of like the winner, but later on he actually he gets arrested yeah. and he's basically sent away to Parkhurst for was it eight years or something like that, which is where this one picks up quite a few years later. Obviously, it is um, as he's been inside. But the thing is, do you reckon again when John Sullivan wrote? to Hullenbeck, he had more in mind for Trigger. Obviously, Jim Broadbent being a pretty active actor, isn't he? Well, Jim Broadbent was the first choice. He was supposed to be Del Boy originally. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah. And he had to decline because he was going off to sh- film a play, which is obviously going to take a lot of time because, you know, stage performances do. So he was actually first in line and would have been Del Boy. Um, so, yeah, maybe it was a way that, you know, John Sullivan really liked Jim Broadbent. He's a great actor. He's had an amazing career and he's really good as Slater. Every th- The three episodes he's in, he's really good. Yeah, he is. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, he's a great actor all around, but he, he plays Slater really yeah, well. Yeah, he's a really devious, like, evil bloke, basically. Um, so Slater comes in and he's like, oh, surprise. I bet you didn't expect to see me or something. And they're all just like, Slater. And they're like, oh, we don't want to speak to you and such. So he comes in. Um, and they're all just kind of frozen on the spot for ages, aren't they? And he's like going around, and he's like saying, "Hi, yeah. right, Boise. I heard Marlene's up the spout. Yeah, what about it? Well, nothing. I just wanted to say congratulations." He's trying to come across all nice, isn't he? And he's going round. Yeah, he says about uh, Rodney getting married. Rodney comes back with you. Yeah, it didn't really work out. And Dale tells him tells him basically to shut up and don't talk to Slater. Yeah, because he'll only hold it against you later or something, won't he? Yeah. Yeah, and we find out that Slater's um, been living in Colchester and working for an undertaker recently, hence the big long coat. He does, yeah. He's got like a proper old kind of like big duffel black jacket on, doesn't he, really? Um... Yeah, and like you say, he's making, trying to make niceties with the guys and sort of get them on his side, but they're not really buying it, are they? No, and he sort of, he eventually kind of wins around slightly because he's like, you know, he starts trying to, he sort of says like, He's changed, you know, he's been in jail, he's paid his dues, he knows that he's wronged a lot of people. He obviously wanted to do the diamond smuggling, which is what he got nicked for. Um, and his whole career's gone yeah, down the pan. He's, yeah, he's singled out the guys here because they're the guys he stitched up to sort of before the whole diamond thing. Um, what did he do? He planted stolen goods, didn't he, on Dale Boise and Denzel, but it turns out they got them from him. Um which obviously they wouldn't have gotten directly from him. So I'd imagine they came through a third party from Slater. The thing that gets me as well, when he's sort of, they're going through all the things that they've been tucked up by Slater for. Rodney says about, he busted him for going 70 in a built up area in that van. Obviously Rodney then comes back with, it wouldn't go 70 if he pushed it down a cliff. (laughs) But guess who the magistrate believed? But we never, I mean, I'm not saying it would have been a story, but we never hear any anything about Rodney getting his speeding fine because we hear about his cannabis fine all the time, don't we? Yeah. And if, if he was in court about this speeding, I thought it would have been mentioned at some point. That's yeah. That's just the thing I picked yeah, up that's, on. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good shout. And as he's going round and he's like, you know, you've done this to voice, you've done that to that. And Roy's like, oh, sorry, guys. And like, well, shove it. But then he gets, um, I don't know who says it, but he's like, and no, it's Denzel, isn't it? He goes, that time you planted like a load of green yeah. shield stamps on Trigger and he had to do like 12 months in a young offender's home. Eight, 18 months it was, I think. He yeah, he's like, sorry, Trig. Oh, that's all right, Roy. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> Trig's just like, they say like he's got a heart of gold, aren't he? He's just like, yeah. And uh, when it's like, um, yeah. uh, Slater, he's like, you know, um, you know, I'm out of jail now. And Trigger's like, you're back in the police force now, Roy. 
He's like, no, no, Drake, they wouldn't <laughs> let me back in. Not after I was convicted of diamond smuggling. Police are funny about that. Yeah, there's, there's a whole thing, um, again, where Slater's trying to get them on his side. He goes on about his dad dying and stuff, and he tried to get out of prison for the day to see him. And then um, Triggs is about, I thought they, they let you out of, uh, for acts of God, like weddings and funerals and stuff. And he said uh, Slater's mum had written a letter and they wouldn't let you out, not after what that cow said. Yeah. So obviously we know anyway from previous episodes, his, his family hate him as well. Basically everyone hates this guy. Um, there's a bit where he's sort of waffling on about being in prison and all the other guys are trying to leave the room, aren't they? Slowly. Yeah, they're edging around. And yeah. they're sort of shuffling towards the door. And then he turns around and they will just stop in their tracks. I think that's really well timed. The way yeah, because he's kind of given this kind of deep thought where he's kind of, you know, looking at his hands and he's kind of turning. He's like not looking at them as he's kind of pacing and he's like giving this really deep yeah. speech about, you know, oh, I've messed up and, you know, I've, I've made all these mistakes. Like I say, when he's not looking, it's almost like, you know, um, like, like footy footy in or something, isn't it? Like they're sort of like edging every time he's not looking. And then, yeah, like you say, when he spins yeah, around they and they sort of hop back, it's really, really well done. Yeah, apparently he found Jesus in, uh, in yeah, prison. Yeah, what they stitched him up for it? is what Dale says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but in the end, he kind of, like like JT said, he's here and he's like said he's reserved the guest list just for these guys because these are the guys that like, have kind of been the people he's stitched up the most and sort of fucked over, basically, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah. And then he's like... A man doesn't go for this expense, you know, for nothing. You know, I wanted to come here. Like, I'm not a policeman anymore. I don't mean you any harm. I can't do you any harm. I just wanted to have a drink and maybe kind of bury the hatchet sort of thing. So Del Boy kind of reluctantly yeah. says, all right, Roy, I'll I'll have a drink with you. Well, Slater, before that, he sort of plays the martyr a bit, doesn't he? He's like, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. You you guys go home and I'll just sort of tidy up and pay the, pay the governor and that and call it a night. Sort of really laying it on thick, then the, the guilt trip and the sympathy, which is when then Dell finally does break. Although before that, we do get one of the best lines from a, a Boise that we've always liked, and you do this really well when he offers him a drink. What does he say? Oh. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> go and do your Boise. He's <laughs> like, um, yeah, because at one point, Boise's before that, he's like, Boise's like, oh, I need to go to the toilet, and Dell's like, don't worry, Boise, the biggest cars he's in here, and sort of points at, um, uh, sort of slated, but yeah, they're all around the bar having a drink, and he's like, "Come on, Boise, do you want a drink?" And he's like, "Large cognac, please." <laughs> We've got the uh, "Not from me, Roy." <laughs> yeah, "Not from me, Roy." The prior engagement on a downstairs toilet or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but good old boys. Anyway, they they all kind well, of end up having a drink with him in the end, don't they? Yeah, they, they reluctantly all sort of agree one by one. Dale's the first, then Rodney agrees, which, to which uh, Boyce is properly pissed off at this point still, saying you don't believe him in everything, you don't believe he's changed, to which Rodney says, I believe everyone should have a chance. Then I think Trigg might cave at that point. Then Denzel, and then it's finally Boyce who gives yeah, him. Yeah, Boyce, you know, because um, he really does kind of start, stand his ground, because when they're all drinking, he's kind of there going, I can't believe you're, you know, you're drinking with Slater, the slag, or something like that. He's like, he's fitted us all up, and blah, 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 and then they're like, oh, come on. And he's... Oh, he's yeah. a trick, isn't it? When, when Trigg agrees to have a drink with him, he's like, I can't believe you're going to have a drink with the guy who stitched up with those stamps. And he's like, yeah, but that's all right. When I got out, I got an electric blanket and a yeah. toaster with him. <laughs> Good old Trigg, ever practical. 
As if he'd ever get them back after he's been banged up for having them, though. He's never going to get I them know, back, is he? It's still a funny line, though. Um, of course it is. So they have a drink, and then it cuts back to the flat, and basically they're all just... The, the trotter's flat, and they're all pretty much pissed, basically. Um, they're yeah. wasted. Boyce is on the phone to Marnie at this point, pretending he's not drunk, and no one's yeah, drunk. Yeah, but he's, like, proper, like, stuttering, and he's like, no, 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 Marlene, I, I've yeah. only had a couple of drinks, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> No one's drunk. Ronnie's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so Raquel has gone over to see Marlene. So Marlene's going to give Raquel a lift home and pick up Boise um, when she gets there. And all basically sat there looking through some old photos from school. There's another thing I picked up on just before we go on to that bit. So Boise's on the phone to Marlene, arranges her to pick him up and stuff. Hangs up. Rodney offers him another drink. He's like, no, 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 Marlene will be here in a minute. And he gets his coat on straight away. So they must live pretty close if he's getting his coat and that ready yeah. already. You know what I mean? Obviously, it's for the time of the episode. King's but... Avenue to Nelson Mandela House. Yeah, so maybe he's only in a state or two yeah, away. because she literally turns up about two minutes later in the whole time of the yeah, program. <laughs> and it's a continuous scene as well. It hasn't been cut. So that you'd think that would be the actual real life time. Another scale. thing as well is when she turns up, she honks the horn. But they live on like the 12th or 14th yeah. fucking floor of this high-rise flat. How's she going to yeah, hear that? I've always thought that. <laughs> and it's really clear as well. You can hear it. Yeah, I've yeah. always thought that. Um, so they're all kind of sat there looking at photos and sort of discussing like the old school days and stuff and sort of Slater's thinking, oh, I'm not in any of these um, any of these pictures and stuff because he was never part of the group. And they're all kind of, they're being quite mellow at this point aren't they? Like they've all had a bit of a drink, they've yeah, all kind they of reconciled are. and this kind of chilling out, basically. Yeah, there's this week's unpolitically correct line is in this scene. I think you probably know what I'm going to say. When um, they're talking about the banditos yeah. in prison and um, Slater's like, even the puffs don't fancy me these yeah, days. Albert, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> Albert's like, you know, it must have been tough on the inside for you because you're an ex-plod. Or next copper and stuff, and he's like, you know, yeah, like I've literally got it written down here that he says, you know, a lot of the bandinos in there, even the puffs don't fancy me. It's like, all right, steady on, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, again, not something yeah. you do. Today. There's another line coming up as well that's a little bit iffy for like, um, the, the PC world out there. Um, I was kind of what, um, Slater says, like, he's saying, like, you know, they had it really in hard for him, you know, like every time he went. You know, um, past everyone would be like, "Snide, snide, we're going to get you, snide." And then they're like, "Oh, didn't the um, didn't the wardens do anything about it?" That was the wardens. Yeah. <laughs> so again, everyone yeah. hating Slater, standard. Um, so they look at um a picture of, like the school football team, um, and they sort of say, "Oh, there's one of all of us in there." You know, there's you know little Del Boy in Boise, um, and then they said, "Oh yeah, there's that little Italian kid that um came to the school." And they kind of leave it there. And then, yeah, yeah. and then um, like Marlene honks the horn from like, you know, 12 floors down. So, <laughs> two, two minutes yeah, after the leaving. Boise, Denzel, Trigger all kind of get into the car and Boise's like, oh yes, I'm running a taxi service now. And they all kind of... It's typical Boise pissed off it. Like, obviously, he's like, right, Marlene's here. And then Trigger and Denzel both ask for a lift home. And he's like, oh, I'm running a bloody minicab yeah. service now. And then um, Dale's still looking <laughs> at the football picture. And he, like, just as they're all kind of just saying goodbye. And he's like, oh, look at this picture. We're all happy. It was all fun. We had, you know, laughter. We had camaraderie. And Trig turns around and goes, was that the Italian boy? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, again, it's kind of like a harmless joke, and it's obviously just 
trigger being trigger. But again, like the PC world out there these days, that probably might ruffle a feather or two. Yeah, I'm sure it would. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> I've got that written down as well. To be fair. So they, they all go and it leaves obviously Albert, Slater, uh, Dell and Rodney um, all sort of having a drink. Roy falls asleep, uh, seemingly on the sofa. Very, yeah. very quickly. Very quickly. One minute he's chatting away, the next minute yeah, he's, he's just flat like... out. I mean, he's, he's pissed. So, I mean, I, I'm sure I've fallen asleep in a pub with a pint in my hand before. So it does <laughs> yeah, and he's on, he's on a comfy sofa <laughs> and now in a quiet room now that everyone's gone. So, yeah, easily yeah. done. Um, Rodney's kind of resting his head in his sort of arms and he's like let out on their little table and he's like fallen asleep. Albert's gone on to bed at this point. Yeah. Yeah, Rodney falls asleep pretty quickly as well because Dale asks him if he wants a drink and he's chatting away to Dale. And then Dale's pouring a drink, asking him if he wants some ice, and by then he's asleep. Yeah. Um, so Rodney and Slater fall asleep. Albert's gone to bed, like, properly. And Dale's kind of just, like, drunkenly talking to himself behind his minibar. And Raquel walks in, and she just sees yeah. the mess, and she's like, oh, my God, what's happened here? Dale's gone to the kitchen yeah, at this point, yeah. hasn't he? So it's only Slater and Rodney yeah, in the he's living room. Gone he's, gone, he's gone to get the ice, because he's actually going to have a drink. Which is, again, a shock for yeah, Dale absolutely. having a drink. Um, and she kind of like stares at the sofa, like where Slate is sleep, um, asleep, and sort of cocks her head a little bit, and then goes like storming off into the kitchen and sort of grabs Dell. And when she comes in, like she she shuts the kitchen door and she's proper going to her. And she's like, "You rotten git, you you bastard!" And all yeah. this sort of like proper like, you know, you, you're you're just like yeah, every other man. You, know, you lied to me, you know. Your promises mean nothing. Proper kicking off. And Dell, I was in his drunken, happy go lucky way. It's just like, hey, hey, you know what you're talking about and all that stuff. Yeah, he, he, David, uh, David Jason plays that really well. When he's like, uh, Raquel's like, what's he doing on my sofa? He's like, he, who, he, he, yeah. who's he? <laughs> In a really sort of drunk, getting your words fucked up sort of way. And it's really yeah. good the way he does it. Um, he's like, you know, oh, that's, you know, Slater, I, I, I brought him back. He was from the reunion. He goes, you promised me my husband would never get near me and all that stuff. And he's like, which he never will. And he's like, well, why is he asleep on our sofa then? <laughs> <laughs> and that's like... I imagine that was a Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader kind of, I am your father. Do you know what I mean? That was like, fuck me. Ra- Raquel's been married yeah, to Slater. Yeah, like, he doesn't really twig at first. He's like, no, no, that's that's not your husband. That's Slater. So I know who he is. I was married to him for like yeah. however many years that they were married. Four years, I think, they were married. I've, I've yeah, it down here. So, yeah, I mean, again, going back to the whole uh, Jim Broadbent and the Slater character, I wonder if that's something that he had in mind that, you know, that whole story arc, because that was a big twist. Yeah, well, John it? Sullivan actually, according to IMDb, this is um, he got the idea for this episode when he was attending one of his own school reunions, and it doesn't say what year that was. So I don't know if it's kind of like, you know, he thought like let's bring Jim Broadbent back, and then he got the idea, like the kernel of the idea for a reunion, or if it like just went hand in hand. But um, like you say, I wonder if he like you say he planned yeah. like a trilogy that Slater would be like a reoccurring villain that would just come back here and there. Yeah, and obviously being Raquel's wife, Raquel wasn't even in it at that point either. So I imagine the two hadn't come together at that point in his mind. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I'd like it'd be great to kind of. I know obviously he's not with us anymore, but he'd have been a great bloke to have a chat with, wouldn't he? To like, oh mate, yeah, I could have talked to him yeah. for days. I'm sure. <laughs> um, so Dell's like, no, that's Slater, and you know she's like, yeah, it's my husband, and then he, he the penny kind of drops, and he kind of you can see him sobering up straight away. And he's like. Slater, yeah, yeah. not Slater. And she goes, Yes, yeah, Slater. And he's like, 
but that's Slater. And he's just like, he says like Slater like <laughs> 10 times. It's sort of like half drunk, half just not believing it and just like, oh, fucking hell, what is going on here sort of thing. We've all been yeah. in that situation. Not with a, that actual thing, but, you know, a situation where someone's telling you something serious and you're, you're pissed and you don't yeah, really you're believe kind of, them. You've got that sobering feeling. You're, you're kind of coming back to a way of being able to think straight. But like you say, the, the alcohol's still in your system and it's just, it all becomes a bit of a mess, doesn't it, basically? You, you just hope you're going to wake up in the morning and it's a dream yeah. at that point, I think. Um, so basically, <laughs> it turns out that Slater is the, uh, the horrible husband that Raquel's had and he just happens to be Dell's biggest nemesis. Um, yeah, I mean, Dell kicks off her a little bit for why didn't you tell me? And she she says, well, you every time I talked about my marriage, you told you changed the subject sort of thing. So it would appear she's probably tried to tell him at some point, although she won't know that Dell knows Slater, no, will she? Um, because she does tell him that he was an ex-copper like a few episodes before, but it never goes any further yeah. than that, really. Um, yeah, exactly. So again, maybe John Sullivan had it in mind when she told him then that it maybe. was going to be Slater. Uh, so basically, they're like, well, he hasn't seen you. He's asleep. So Dell's basically, well, you wait in the kitchen out the way and I'll just go and wake him up and kind of like shifty him on sort of thing and get rid of him. So Dell goes into the living room. Raquel stays in the kitchen. Dell kind of like wakes. He's really abrupt as well. And he's like, right, right, Slate, you need to get up. You need to get going and all that sort of stuff. You know, he's probably... <laughs> he, wake, he wakes Rodney up, doesn't he? He wakes Rodney up first. Slate is still asleep at this point, although I don't think Slater is actually asleep. He's obviously pretending to be asleep. But um, he wakes Rodney up and he said, like, Rodney, and he tells, he's like, <laughs> uh, Raquel was married to Slater. And, and then Rodney does the drunken reaction. Oh, yeah, right. He's like, I'm not joking. Would I joke about a thing like that? So then obviously the penny drops for Rodney as well. He's yeah, all he's like, oh, up. Hey, what are we going to do? And then Dale obviously tells him the plan. So then they wake Slater up to try and get rid of him. Um, and Slater's got like, I don't know, he's like putting his shoes on or something, isn't he? And he's just about to get up and go. And then he, he go. He wants to go and get. He wants to go and get a drink of water at first. So he's, he almost heads towards the kitchen. And Dell's like, no, 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 because obviously Raquel's in there. So he pours him um, some trendy water, as he calls it, some fizzy fucking whatever it's called, Evian or something. Yeah, and he's sort of like he's drinking that down. And then you know, Slate is like, you know, oh, it's been really nice seeing the boys and all that sort of again, and you know, all that sort of stuff. And then he's he's sort of about to go. And then I can't remember what his exact word is, but he's like, "That's my wife." And they both, Rodney and Dale, are going to freeze. Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean? And he goes, that's my Rachel. Why have you got a picture of my wife in your house? And obviously there's a picture of Raquel that's in the living room, probably her and Dale. Um, yeah. I think that one, because I, I noticed this earlier, I was looking to this a bit in depth. I think that one is just Raquel on her own. So I, I'd have had a comeback. Obviously they're pissed and they probably wouldn't have thought of this. I've had years to think about it. So when he turns around and says... He says, obviously, that's my Rachel. And Dale says, no, her name's Raquel. And he went, yeah, that was her stage name. And he says, what's the picture of my wife doing in your flat? So Dale's like, uh, I don't know. Rodney, what's a picture of his wife doing in our flat? Now, they could have probably blagged this. He wouldn't have believed it. But thinking about it, they could have said, yeah, that's her stage name, Raquel. That's one of her like stage pictures that we got yeah. somewhere. Do you know what I mean? It would have been an absolute bullshit blag, but it might have got them out of it because Roy's still drunk as well at this point. Although we find out later, he knew a bit more. He did, than yeah, because like on. you said there, because they met, he met Raquel again with the great Ramondo down in um, Margate. Yeah, so he could, he could have, if he was thinking, yeah, if he was thinking quick, obviously he's pissed so, and he's obviously stressed out at this point. So 
hindsight's a great thing, but he could have said, yeah, when I met her down in Mar in Margate, she gave me this picture. Um, but also you're saying there's a, there's another picture of Dell and Raquel on like a sideboard behind them or in front of where they're looking. But I don't know if this was done on purpose, but you can only see Raquel. There's like a vase or something uh, in the way of Dell. And I thought that was quite clever if that was done on purpose, that if Slater had seen that picture, he wouldn't Well, yeah, because Del there's a line or... coming up in a minute that obviously makes him, you know, obviously he doesn't know Raquel specifically with Dell at this particular point, um, or he, at least he claims yeah. to be. Um, so it all kind of kicks off. Um, and it basically leads to Raquel coming out of the kitchen, obviously heavily pregnant, and Roy seeing her. And he's like, right, well, this is a bit of a surprise. Um, and it kind of gets a bit like, it goes like really like, again, only fools and horses kick it into like the drama gear here, don't they? Because there's some pretty solid acting between how this all kind of plays out. Yeah, there is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Albert comes out and does a <laughs> Rachel, which is sort of like the, the comedy the comedy breaks in between Dell and um, Slater properly going at each other. Because Raquel overhears them starting to argue and comes out and says, yes, I live here. Because Slater's now clocked that she lives there after seeing pictures of Yeah, and he's like, you're, you're pregnant and stuff. So, yeah, it gets quite tense between... Yeah, it gets really tense between Dell and Slater. Um, so he's like, Slater's like, oh, I guess you're cohabiting. And at this point, the three trotters are stood there. And he's like, okay, then. So which one? Yeah. Which, obviously, I mean, possibly Rodney. Uh, not Albert, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> yeah, just the way he's like, well, which one is it? My wife's been fertilised by a trotter or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because then, then when sort of Dell's like, what do you mean, which one? And he's like, Dell? And then he sort of, they have a bit of a bit of a little argument and then he, he looks and he's like, you're pregnant. No, he's like, What's, where did you get that or something? You're pregnant. And Raquel's like, is that what it is? We've been wondering, haven't we, Dell? So by now, Roy's yeah. properly pissed. Yeah, right, he's human. It starts to get a bit um, sort of like snidey because um, right, Roy's like having a go and he's like, um, Dell's like, you can leave her alone. You can't have her. And he's like, well, I wouldn't take her back, not in that condition and stuff. And then um, there's that line in there where Roy's like properly having a go and then Dell kind of like, they almost like come to blows. And he's like, well, you, you know. Yeah, yeah, they do. They both launch they each do. other pretty much. I mean, there's there's some good, good sort of, proper arguing in this but there's also some comedy lines Albert keeps chipping in with a who's Rachel yeah, because everyone just hollers at him and tells him to shut up eventually don't they because he's come in and heard Slater calling them Rachel even even yeah even everyone Slater. literally yeah. everyone's like shut, shut up because um <laughs> they like they're still getting all huffed and because when they go to hit each other Raquel kind of gets in the middle and pushes them apart and then she like she's like oh and sits down because she's obviously strained herself or something and he's like yeah, yeah he says, says to Slater bed, he's like he? you know um Will you calm down, Slater? You're getting her excited. And he's like, yeah, and I always could, couldn't I? And so, like, proper, like, lads it up and stuff. Yeah, that would be a proper line yeah. that would piss you off, though, wouldn't it? Saying that, you know, knowing that Slater's obviously been with Raquel and, you know, probably got her excited without being... Well, I mean, they obviously had horrible. marital relations at one point. There must have been someone they liked about each other for five minutes. Um, But, yeah, so this yeah. all, like, probably kicks off. And I just think this whole scene... Um, we probably haven't done it justice like usual, but yeah, that this actual section here is actually really good. I mean, this is like, again, when Only Fools and Horses switches it into that kind of drama kind of gear, you know, the whole, like, the way they're shouting and the way, like, Raquel's, like, like probably screaming at Roy at one point and, like, they're all shouting at each other. It's proper, like, Larry yeah. stuff. Yeah, definitely. And then it's all just that one line again with the, who's Rachel? 
with Albert at the end just brings the comedy back, doesn't it? And that's what they do so well. They've done it in episodes we've talked about before. Just one line will just bring yeah, you know, back. Yeah, you know, a sad moment. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah it's, it's really, really good. Well done. I say John Sullivan can just write comedy and drama so well. It's just, you know, I don't think there's anyone like him personally or like, you know, past tense, as it were. No. Um, Slater, sorry, just before we go on to the next bit, I know we've waffled on a bit about this, but Slater also tells Raquel he's got an inheritance coming, um, which is obviously quite pivotal to what happens at the end of the episode, and that he'd come back to hopefully, you know, get back with her and stuff and everything. We find out later that's bullshit. But, yeah, because he's... But he, he has got an inheritance Yeah, because as bullshit. we mentioned earlier, like he said his old man's dying, or has died, um, he's come up like because he's got an inheritance or something and that's when he was in town that's why he decided to look up his old friends and do the school reunion and stuff so he's got like his little backstory going on and like you say he says to Raquel I've got some money coming thought we could try again and all that lot um so basically this now means that um Adele's in a bit of a precarious situation because he lets Roy stay the night because he doesn't want him going off and like blabbing his mouth basically because now it's going to turn out that if everyone knows that Dell is shacking up with the wife of an ex-copper, it's going to really damage his reputation as a trader around the area. Yeah, he's also giving Slater Rodney's bed, so Rodney's yeah. on the sofa again. Um, he's he's not, not it kind about. of cuts to like a little <laughs> bit later in the night. Um, so Dell comes back into the living room like in his dressing gown, Rodney's stretched out on the sofa, and he wakes Rodney up and starts sort of talking to him, and he says, you know, Rodney's like, you know, why did you give him my bed? And he sort of says, you know, pretty much what I just said then about, you know, he's got to keep Roy kind of sweet at this point in time because he's in a really sticky situation. Like this could really damage Dale's reputation. And I think he only makes his money on sort of the black market, so to speak, doesn't he? So he loses his reputation of all the yeah, kind of the crooks of London. He's literally, he hasn't got a prayer, basically. Well, yeah, he's got he's got no one to buy from. No one's going to sell to him. It's just all hooky gear, and no one's going to buy from him. So he is completely fucked both ways. Uh, Albert comes out at this point as well, and it turns out that he's been worried about the situation. He's been led in bed thinking about it as well. So he's got exactly the same thoughts as Dell. That Dell's pretty much fucked if Slater opens his mouth. Um, to which Rodney turns around and says, "Well, Slater doesn't know this. Um, you know, he he he's not been thinking about it." Maybe he doesn't know. So if you're being extra nice to him and stuff, he's going to get suspicious. Yeah, yeah, and it's pretty good because I'm. I quite like the way that when Dell first wakes Rodney up, he's like, "Oh, I'm trying to sleep," and Dell's like, "Oh, I've been thinking. I've got a lot on my mind." And Rodney's like, "Oh, what about like?" Because he's aggravated. He's just been woken up and obviously probably got a bit of a hangover because they've been drinking. And then Dell sort of like says a the situation. Then yeah. Rodney, like again, it's a good bit of acting. He kind of realizes the seriousness. He's like, "Oh, oh, that." And then he sort of sits up a bit more seriously, doesn't he, to actually speak to Dell. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, basically, Rodney says that he Slater doesn't know this, so don't, you know, play into him. And Albert agrees. But then Slater actually comes out of the bedroom straight after that. And he then says that he's been lying awake thinking about this whole predicament and pretty much reiterates what Dale's been worried about the whole time, that he's got one up on him now about Raquel. And if he opens his mouth, then Dale's fucked, basically. Um, but he wouldn't like it to happen to a good mate. But if he has too many beers down the nag's heads because he can't handle his beer, anything could happen. But champagne, he knows where he is with champagne. He's all right on champagne. So straight away, he's blagging Dale. Yeah, he's got him he's, in his um, pocket, isn't he? That Dale, Dale's going to fuel his champagne addiction Yeah, right so now. like I say, Dale was worried. Albert's obviously clocked on to the same idea. And like you say, the worst, their worst kind of like 
ideas come to fruition when it turns out that Slater knows exactly what position he's got Dell in, so he knows he can blackmail him, and he knows he's basically got him by the short and curlies, as Albert later says, doesn't he? With a, a gesture, <laughs> does, <yeah. laughs> which obviously we can't really do, but yeah, he basically <laughs> says that. So Dell kind of like he nods and kind of thinks to himself, and he picks up picks up a wallet from the table and he gives like um, Roy like a handful of cash. Um, and says, "Oh, you know, why don't you?" Yeah, tells him to go and get a yeah, couple, of bottles, a couple of bottles of champagne on me. And then um, Slater wearing like Dell's dressing gown as well. Yeah, he, well, he must be because he didn't have one of his own, unless it's Rodney's, but I've never seen Rodney. Well, yeah, it's not, but yeah, it's I just think that just that insult so, to injury. I think it's actually one of Dell's dressing gowns that he's wearing because the sleeves are really short on him. Might wouldn't it wouldn't? I was going to say it wouldn't fit him properly. I didn't notice how well it fit him, but yeah, that would just like say rub yeah, salt like, in you the know, wound, wouldn't it? That he's got Rodney's bed, he's wearing yeah. Dell's dressing gown. He's pretty much and he's going to be having champagne the on them. So it's also it seems. Um. So yeah. Roy's kind of like, oh, I fancy, you know, breakfast in bed, you know, a couple of boiled eggs at 9.30, it'd be nice, or something along those lines, and he fucks off back to bed. And, um... Yeah, this is this is quite good, well, quite weird, this bit. Not weird, but Dale was obviously now pissed off. Um, it's, well, even more pissed off than he was. Um, and he turns around and says, it's already cost me 40 quid tonight, you know, with the money he's given Slater for the champagne. To which, um... It's Albert, isn't it? It says, don't worry, that's Slater's wallet. And um, Dale's like, oh, okay, that's all right. I thought it was Rodney's. But the thing is, surely Slater would have noticed when Dale picked up that wallet and took the money out of him. Yeah. Like, that's my and fucking being wallet. Being Slater, being the snidey git that he is, he probably wouldn't have just left his wallet out on the table, would he? Like, he would have taken it with him. No, because it there's no sign of him taking any clothes off or doing anything while he was in the living room. So why would he taking stuff out of his pockets and that? Just always wondered why he didn't notice that was his wallet. Absolutely, because it is actually um, quite an integral kind of prop, so to speak. Um, Because Dale's got it in his hand and he kind of looks and he like pulls out like a slip of paper and he's like, oh, look at this. And basically it turns out that um, it's a little, like a, a slip or a receipt from a jeweler's saying that to Slater... The items that you deposited with us some years ago, like the cost of you know, the price of diamonds has gone up. We would advise you to sell these, you know, sooner rather than later to make a good profit. Um, so it turns out Dell kind of puts it all together, just to sort of like the ease of storytelling, that when he got put away for diamond smuggling, Slater must have had a few other spare diamonds that he put aside. So what he's actually come up here for isn't an inheritance. He's come up here to claim the money for those diamonds. Basically, that's going to be what Slater's saying is inheritance. Yeah, and also before Dale finds that um, that diamond letter, Rodney pulls out a post-nuptial agreement, doesn't he, that Dale, um, Slater's come to get Raquel to sign it to basically say waiving the rights to all his like, yeah, inheritance. Yeah, so he's come out to get all the money for the diamonds. So what he'd said, yeah, so what he said about, you know, he, he came up here to give Raquel his inheritance or help her out and give her half the inheritance and stuff and get back of her. It was obviously bullshit. He'd come up here to basically write her out. Of yeah, it. to get like a wad of cash and make sure his wife couldn't obviously have any of it, basically. Um, so they're yeah. like, you know, so the police don't know about this. Um, this is obviously Slater's inheritance. We could probably do something with this. Um, and he sort of tucks it all back in the wallet and then he's like, right, we need to hide this. And this bit's a bit weird and it's actually really good timing, but it's just weird the way it's done. Delboy's kind of like waving his wallet around, his yeah. hands up in the air, and he's like, oh, I'm going to hide this somewhere where no one's going to see it. 
and Slater just opens the door and comes around and just slaps it straight up. Well, like snatches it out of his hand, doesn't he? So smoothly. Yeah, it's like I think we talked about this before when we just rabbit it on off air. It's it's kind of it's really well done, but also why is Dave uh, Dell just waving this wallet around? We've got to hide it, but he's like waving it in full view of everyone. I know obviously Albert and Rodney are the only two people in the room at that point. But if that was me, I'd be like putting it in my pocket or just sneaking it into a drawer or something. Because you know Slater's going to come out at some yeah, point. Yeah, well, at again. least, if, no, if not that, like, it's like, Slater's going to be looking for his wallet. So I'd just take those two bits out and maybe put the wallet under the sofa so it looks yeah. like it's maybe been kicked under there. So maybe it delays Slater finding yeah, it for yeah. a little bit and then do what you're going to do. But he tucks it all back in and Slater just comes and basically grabs it out of his hand. Yeah, good timing, but also a bad yeah, setup. Um, <laughs> this scene in general, this whole bit, like, where they're kind of, because this is kind of like the, the main part of the plot, really, where it all comes together, what Slater's true intentions are. I, it's a very, obviously, it's a good little plot. It's a good little theory because it shows that Slater is obviously thinking. We know he's conniving. We know he's actually quite a smart bloke as well. Um, but it's, it's quite yeah. um, a lot of information condensed into a very short scene, don't you think? Like They, they really kind of like barrel through this kind of plot of back and forth. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It is a lot of info to take in. I mean, we've tried to describe it as quick as possible, and we're over an hour now, but obviously we've been waffling a bit and whatever. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's sudden, It's sudden. kind of, I mean, we love this episode, it's number one, but it's kind of drawn out, isn't it, until this integral part, which yeah, seems to be done yeah, really like quickly. The, it starts off like it's normal, only fools and horses. It's all comedy, literally right up until the bit where, um, Slater recognises that Raquel is with Dell and then it suddenly just flicks a switch and it goes really serious with obviously a bit of humour in just to break it up and then like you say this bit is really integral to obviously the whole backstory of how all this came about and it's done in like two or three minutes like I say we've been waffling for about probably about 10 20 minutes back and forth on this but yeah it just so much happens and so much dialogue comes through and this little scene I kind of think it should have been stretched out just a little bit in hindsight yeah, I mean, this could have quite easily been a special, but obviously in the arc of the story, it had to fit into the Series 7. But, I mean, they, they could have easily fleshed out and made it a special with some more of Slater's backstory with the Diamonds Definitely, and stuff. yeah, and it would have been a good sort of, again, like a bit more of a grander kind of conclusion to the, the Slater trilogy, as I know we sort of call it sometimes. Um, but it's still great, nonetheless. Um, it's just, obviously, it's just a lot to take in in, like, such a short space of time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I never really thought of it like that. But, um, yeah, so then it kind of cuts to the pub, and this is like like the ending scene of the um the show basically. And I'd imagine a couple of days have gone back by by now. Slate is stood in the nag's head, and there's something about this scene that I'm sure you've picked up on, but I will point out in a minute. But he's at the bar and he's drinking champagne, and he's like burping like a pig and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it just cuts to him doing a massive long burp. That's the opening scene, isn't it? Yeah, Mike's just kind of like rolling his eyes and shaking his head. Uh, and Dell and um, <laughs> I can't remember if Raquel was already there with Roy for some reason. I can't remember if Dell comes in with her. She comes in very, she comes in literally. Roy orders a bottle of champagne and pretty much Raquel walks in and she's asking uh, Slater why Dell's being so nice to him, buying him champagne, letting him stay in the flat and stuff and everything. So she's obviously got suspicions about what's going on. And then Dale and Rodney end up yeah, pretty much yeah, straight after it, that. Yeah, because I assume like, obviously Dale hasn't, doesn't want to worry Raquel and keep her kind of 
I say he probably doesn't want to lie to her as such, you know, as much as Ozzy Dell isn't the most truthful person in the world. But like I say he's really trying to protect her at this stage, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, Mike Mike has a little bit of a conversation with uh, Roy, I think, before Dell and uh, Rodney come in. He says Raquel's a nice woman and all that. She'd been married before. Yeah. Right, git, I heard. Which obviously then Slater's face kind of drops, but he knows everyone thinks that of him as well. Also, when um when Raquel comes in, Slater offers her like a, a, sh- a glass of champagne. She's heavily pregnant. Um, and there's another bit actually. I know Dale's drunk. We're we'll cutting back to the scene in the flat very briefly. When Raquel first comes in, um, Dale offers her the whiskeys poured for Rodney. It's like she's fucking pregnant, yeah. Dale. Don't be giving her whiskey. Fucking <laughs> Dale and his drink. At least I want a pina colada. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. I mean, he's pissed. He probably isn't thinking straight. But yeah, I've always thought, why are you offering her like a whiskey? She's she's heavily pregnant with your your kid. Don't be offering yeah, her alcohol, so, um, mate. Dale and Rodney come in, and Dale's like speaking to um uh he sort of like rodney goes over to the table and um they kind of like ask raquel to kind of go home but Dell's like can i have a word for you slater i can't remember exactly what's said here um and he's like um slater slater says he wants Dell to hire him yeah. a car at first um to which Dell's like yeah okay we'll go and sit down over here and talk about it so obviously Slater thinks that Dell's going to do this for him yeah but, but Slater also like not. pretends to kind of let something slip as well doesn't he like he's um oh yeah he says um he says he was going to take Raquel shopping tomorrow morning uh, this morning but she was still asleep she always did have problems yeah, getting yeah. up in the morning oops but he says it kind of loud Mike sort of I, I watched this earlier and I thought does Mike clock? And it doesn't really. He's just sort of stood behind the Yeah, bar he does kind of like glance over, point. doesn't he? But it's like, um, like you said, I don't think it's enough for him to actually twig. But yeah, I know like Slate is kind of starting to wind Dell up and sort of pretending to let things slip just to kind of remind him. But yeah. at this stage, as far as Slate is concerned, he's got Dell in his pocket. Yeah, which is then when he says about hiring a car. He thinks he's, you know, that's yeah. another thing I can um, get So Raquel heads off back to the flat and Slater comes over to the table with champagne sits with Dell and Rodney and at this stage like there's like four or five glasses of champagne on the table and it keeps building up yeah yeah it's like the amount of glasses of champagne that that keep appearing and the amount of bottles that flow through this scene is incredible I mean pub prices for champagne they're not cheap it's just got loads of them and they they don't even drink any of them no I mean no that's what I mean Slate has got champagne with him when it first cuts to this scene he then orders another bottle and then Dell and Rodney come in and then when they go to sit at the table Dell orders a bottle so that's three yeah. bottles of champagne they've got now and, and no one's on drinking it Slater's got one in his hand and he's sort of sipping it but Dell and Rodney don't even bother drinking it but just more and more glasses are appearing it's like fuck you know <laughs> yeah because then I think Mike brings over another couple <laughs> oh it's ridiculous <laughs> so there's there's yeah, like a table for prices, and even back in the early nineties, which is say, you know, that's going to be pretty expensive on the bill. Not that Dell ever pays a bill or anything, but yeah, um, exactly. They're on, on the slate. Slater, <laughs> and um, so basically, um, <laughs> Dell and Rodney sit down and they sort of like start talking to um, Slater, and they're saying, you know, you got a habit of leaving things lying around, haven't you? And it's like like that letter about the diamonds, um, and what would happen if it's at this point. That's no, I was just going to say. It's at this point where Dell turns around to Slater and says, "You didn't just come back for the school reunion, did you?" Because obviously he know he's seen that post-nuptial agreement. To which Slater then admits that he knew Raquel was living there, but he just had yeah. to come back and prove it. 
Um, so he, didn't he go down the town hall and look on the electrical yeah, pole? Yeah, he's like, um, on there. you knew Raquel lived with me, didn't you? And he's like, yeah, because I went down the old poll tax, like you say, the poll tax register and saw her listed. Didn't see you, Dale. And Dale's just like, oh, well, well. it's just what like brushes it off a little bit. <laughs> Not exactly uh, Mr. <laughs> Taxman, is he, Dale yeah. boy? <laughs> Um, no, yeah, no, so they kind of like they, they're basically letting Slater know that they've kind of you know they put it all together, and he's like, you know, those letters that you got, you know, about the diamond that's your inheritance and stuff. Um, and what would happen, you know, because you were tried for diamond smuggling, but we actually went down to the register and we read that you know you were arrested for a certain amount of diamonds, but they never mentioned the 10 that were missing. And Slater's like, oh, well, they could never, um, you know, they can't yeah, trial you for, like, the same crime twice or something. He's like, oh, I know more about the law than you do. Yeah. Yeah, he comes back with basically, yeah, you, I can't be tried for the same crime twice. I know more about the law than you. Which is then when they say, yeah, we've seen the town hall records, but it doesn't mention these other 10 diamonds. So that would be a fresh trial and possibly up to 10 years if you get done again for it, having already been done yeah, for it Yeah, like, you know, your, your record, you know, this time as well, you know, they'll like you say, they'll probably put you in there for an even bigger stretch. Um, and then he's like, yeah, well, Slater comes back of, okay, that may be the case, but, you know, you can't do that because um, I've got that po- that bit of paper tucked up safely in my wallet and you're not going to get it. To which Dell turns to Rodney, he's like, exhibit A, please. They whip out one of their fax machines. Um, <laughs> and he's like, oh, do you know what this is? Yeah. It's a fax machine and it can do all kinds of things. Um but if you read that button there and Slater leans in, he's like, oh, what's that say? Photocopy. And Dale's like, yes, yeah, so this thing can photocopy all kinds of things like passports and driver's license and letters from like diamond merchants. So before I came and gave you your breakfast this morning, I took that out of your wallet and I made a photocopy of it. Slater's so like, oh, so you've got a copy. Well, it's not, not just one. I can't remember how many copies he says they've got. It's like, but who'd want to lose a thing like that? So implying they've got yeah, X amount of saying, copies you know, of it. Basically, they, they turn around to Slater and they say, you know, we've got loads of these copies. And if you don't stop being like, basically, they want him out of town. They want him to divorce Raquel um, and they want him to leave and never come back, um, basically. Yeah. Slater's face. No, I was going to say, Slater's face obviously really drops at this point when they say they've got all these copies and stuff. So he tries to offer them a deal, doesn't he? He says when he sells the diamonds, he'll give Dell 10%. Dale's like, no. He's like, 80-20 in my favour, to which Dale's like, no. 70-30 in, in my favour. And then Dale's like, no, we don't want your money. <laughs> Everyone's like, we don't want his money. Which is then when Dale offers him the deal to get, get out of Dodge, basically, and never talk to them yeah. again and never mention Raquel. So obviously Dale's got a, a better plan up his sleeve, certainly in his mind, which shows, obviously, Dale's obviously very money-driven, but he knows if his business is fucked, then whatever Slate is going to give him won't cover the rest of his working career. How he's working in inverted commas. Yes. So he's basically like, you know, we've got all these. And if you so much as breathe a word about your history of Raquel or try and blackmail any of us, or if you show your face around here again, these are going to go to every newspaper and every police station, you know, this side of the river, basically. Um, and Slater, like you say, his face drops. And it's, I quite like this actually, because as Dell's talking and laying it out again, Jim Broadbent, who's like a, you know, world-renowned Hollywood actor. He's been in loads of things. He's a really solid actor. The realisation just comes across nice and steady and you can kind of see him realising that, you know, he's basically fucked at this point. He can't... There was literally one this round. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like I say, the way way he goes from 
I've got you over a barrel here, Dale, to actually yeah, know it's the other like, way really around. Yeah, he's smug and he's got that like evil grin and he's drinking his champagne and then suddenly he's like, his fucking knees are knocking pretty much. Um, so they're like, you know, don't come back or anything. So he's yeah. like, okay, I think you've won. I'll take my leave. And he basically bows and realises he's been beaten. He accepts it fairly easily, doesn't he? But I guess he's got to. He's like, okay, that seems like a fair deal. I mean, at this point, he thinks he's still got his diamond money. Yeah, and you so know, if he can get right away there. with his diamond money and bugger off to another end of the country instead of spending, you know, 10 years back in Parkhurst or whatever it was, you know, I think he's, um, he's on to a winner, basically. So that's the end of Slater. Um, he pretty yeah. much leaves, and that's the last we ever see of him in The Only Falls. He, he does. Uh, yeah. He does turn around to Dale and have one last line, doesn't he? He says, "When the baby's born, would you name it after me?" And Rodney's like, "That wouldn't yeah. be fair, would it, to name a kid Dick?" And that's pretty much Slater out with only fools and horses, is, yeah. leaving with his tail between his legs, but still with his diamond in hand. Yeah, so his wallet. there goes like Dale's nemesis, and he's eventually he's kind of won. He's kind of like say he won the first one, he lost the second one, and now he kind of he's got the uh, the, the rubber match, as they call it in wrestling. He's literally won. Um, the overall battle and Slate is gone and Mike comes back over um, with I think more champagne at this point or something there's like a table full of it Rod, uh, Dale, Dale offers another one now he's like a bottle of champagne and two glasses and puts two fingers up to yeah. Roy who is still in this scene at that point so that's another bottle of champagne that's four bottles despite now. the fact that so right in front of him is table. about six or seven glasses that haven't even been touched you know he could just drink one of them <laughs> I knew you'd pick up on this. I've always saw this. I was like, fuck me, there's no room for any more bottles on or glasses on that table. You better start drinking. Yeah, and like then the um, they go Mike flat. brings it over and he's like, yeah, by the way, which harkens back right to the start of the episode when he texts um, or faxed Del Boy and he's like, machine, no working prop. He's like, I want to have a word for you about that fax machine. My photocopier doesn't work. And then Del turns on and goes, that's funny. Ours doesn't work either. So they've literally just completely blagged it with Slater <laughs> to get the one-upmanship, haven't they? And it's like, they haven't even got any fucking copies. Yeah, they've got... Yeah, I was going to say, they don't have one copy of this, let alone loads of them. There's also another bit, actually, before before this bit, where Rodney's like to Dell, why didn't we take his money? And Dell's like, because it's illegal. But when Slater divorces Raquel, she'll be entitled to 50% of everything he gets. But obviously, we never no, see that As happen. far as we know, like, maybe, you know... But, well, yeah, because you don't actually see her sign. Yeah, we, we probably don't see him, up her sign the, uh, the post-nuptial. Um, this is never mentioned again, is it? Slate is never mentioned again, I don't think. And we never find out whether he sold the diamonds, whether Raquel did get anything. We're assuming not, because we never see Raquel come into any money apart from the famous yeah. episode where Dell comes into the money. So this is just kind of swept under yeah. the carpet and never talked um, about again. And that kind of wraps up the episode. So... Again, this is our number one because I, for me, we probably haven't obviously say done it justice. It is a good episode, and it does have a bit of that that heavy bit in the middle where quite a lot of plot kind of gets thrown at you. But the way it comes about is really clever, and it's acted so well. And I just like the fact that this kind of comes full circle and wraps up the sort of Slater character instead of him just vanishing. And because he could have, you know, he got arrested in Hullenback, and we could have never seen him again. But I love the fact that they just brought him back one more time. Yeah, no, I totally agree on that. And um, it wasn't that difficult putting this at number one. I think you you had it at number one when we sort of came together and I had it at number two, but a very close number one. So it was quite easy for me to move it up a place. Um, it's just a great episode. Like you say, it's got a bit of everything in it. 
And although it it does close off the character of Slater, it still leaves that little bit of doubt that yeah. I just talked about. What did happen to him? You know, you still got that little bit of doubt, but not a niggling doubt where you're like, oh, I really want to fucking know. It's just it gave him closure, but still a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, and it was great to get him back. Because as we say, you know, Jim Broadbent, you know, he, he's been in all kinds of Hollywood movies. I mean, he's in Harry Potter. He's in, like, Gangs of New York. He's in he's in loads of stuff, isn't he? He's just, he's had, so I've got everyone who's been in Only Fools and Horses. Yeah. He's, like, he's probably had the most prestigious career from, like, Hollywood and beyond. Oh, yeah, easily. I mean, David Jason's had a massive TV career, Nicholas Lindhurst as well, but he's he's gone on to, not, I'm not saying bigger and better things, but yeah, Harry Potter and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, you don't get much yeah, bigger so, um, than that. Yeah, so getting back, obviously, to have, like, the wrap-up. And if, hypothetically, they ever did, I mean, even um David Jason himself, in an interview recently, he said that he almost feels like they kind of went on a bit too long, but he did enjoy the episodes they did because they had some great moments. Um, if yeah, they ever did that. do one more, which I personally, as we've said before, don't think they should because I think it's wrapped up nicely and it's a little bit, they're all a bit too old now, but they could. I think I think it would be refused anyway because of John Sullivan. They, uh, David Jason would refuse, I reckon, because he's already said yeah, this program yeah, cannot exist without John but Sullivan. If, you know, say John Sullivan was still around and he wanted to do one more, again, they could easily bring back Jim Broadbent to be Slater one more time again. You know, that would be the only thing that would be worth seeing, I think, as a story. Oh, easily. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think, yeah, I mean, th- this was closure enough for Slater. Three episodes. Shame he wasn't in more, but obviously he's a busy man. But every episode he's been in has been great. We might get to talk about the special at some point. We are going to look at those in the new year, maybe. Um, but we're going to do some other things. We're going to do another couple of Only Fools and Horse episodes just to wrap up this year. But next year, we're going we to go are, on yeah, something we're going different, to, um, I think, for a while, aren't we? bring you a, a range of content. Um, so if you're enjoying listening to JT and myself, try and like bumble our way through talking about things. <laughs> Fuck knows what we're going to be like when we talk yeah, about Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we'll be touching about. on, you know, probably <laughs> heading into like movies and maybe some TV series and such and different bits and pieces. But we will be coming back with more Only Fools content. For those of you that have been listening to us regularly, um, seriously, sincerely, thank you very much. Uh, we just did this as a project just for something to do because we both like Only Fools. We've been mates for about 15 years now, but, you know, we hadn't seen each other much for a while. So it's just more than anything else it was just an opportunity for us to have a catch up and chat about something we like just thought we'd we'd throw it out there just to see if anyone else is interested so for those that have been listening we hope you have enjoyed the content yeah thank you very much everyone it's been it's been fun doing it's been great talking to bread roll about a subject that we've been interested in for years and years and we've always talked about doing something with only fools so maybe lockdown helped us do this possibly maybe one thing's come out of lockdown which is good yeah but no it's been it's been a blast and we we are going to do another couple of episodes just to tie up the year on only falls obviously we've done the top 10 we've got another couple of other things in the pipeline but we'll start a whole new thing in 2021 we will yeah and we'll be with you again monday morning (laughs) 7 a.m will be available for you as long as i don't you know cock up the editing or anything like that but it's one thing i have been pretty good with so far um Mate, you cut out you cut out something classic yeah, one. Well, I, won't, I won't tell you what it was, but yeah, that, that took a little bit of um bit of magic, that one. <laughs> but um yeah, we'll be yeah. coming to you every Monday 
you have to say wrapping up this year with some more only fools and horses to keep you entertained but next year we've got some brand new stuff coming towards you same schedule um as always if you want to get in touch with us you can find us on twitter at the hyperbaric goats or you can email us at hyperbaric goats at gmail.com as always we will respond to any messages we get and we'll follow you back on twitter and again if you've got a podcast out there you know if you like like like-minded things or you'd like us to give you a listen give us a follow and let us know and we'd be happy to tune in because you know we're doing this just for a bit of fun but you know if it's movies if it's tv shows bit of pop culture we'll definitely be interested yeah definitely um agree 100 percent. yeah so thank you everyone for the last 10 weeks we're not going anywhere um and as i said at the start of the show have a, a wonderful christmas whatever you're doing but just make sure you stay safe but also bonjour